everybody, welcome to the Random Movie Club. I'm your host, Rob Logan. In each episode, I sit down with a co-host to discuss any movie of their choosing. The only qualification is that the movie is available to watch at home on DVD, Blu-ray, or streaming. Before you listen to this show, I highly recommend that you watch the movie we're going to talk about, because we're going to spoil everything. Also, at the end of the episode, I'll tell you which movie we're going to discuss next so you have enough time to watch it. It's Star Wars Month on Random Movie Club, so we'll be revisiting the original trilogy to celebrate the upcoming release of The Force Awakens. On this episode, I'll be discussing Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back with the host of The Real Conversation, DJ Moore. Let's roll the film. Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back was released in 1980 from director Irvin Kirshner. Written by George Lucas, Lee Brackett, and Lawrence Kasdan, the film stars Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, and Carrie Fisher. Okay, so, Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. Episode 5. I think people have a good knowledge of this movie, but uh, why did you choose to undertake this task? Uh, So I chose Empire. um, The Star Wars movies are going back through my life. Probably the movies that are at the forefront of creating my love for movies. Mm. So these these are the, this is the the first group of movies that I can remember falling in love with and obsessing over and just learning anything I could about any of the movies. And growing up Return of the Jedi was actually my favorite. Mm-hmm. It was the one I watched all the time and but as I grew older Empire slowly took that over. Um just seeing it's so different than what you're used to. Yeah. Right? I mean in the booming world of Hollywood franchises today, I still don't think we've seen a movie that's had the balls that Empire had to Maybe not. end it. Uh, I mean, basically the bad guys win. Mm-hmm. One of the heroes is, you assume he's alive and frozen, but you don't know. Right. You don't know what happened to him in that carbon freeze. And it's it's just such a downer of an ending. It is. And it's, I mean, you just see the growth of, Luke as a character and becoming a Jedi Knight, well, on his way to becoming a Jedi Knight. And you're just introduced to all these new and interesting characters. And I mean, you certainly have that in in the, in the first one, Mm -hmm. this one to me, it's, it's, this is, this is the best Star Wars movie story wise. Mm -hmm. And it, it's kind of the linchpin for the entire series. Mm -hmm. And it's also, I mean, we can probably get into this a little later, but this is the reason to me why you should not watch the prequels first. Interesting. Why you should watch them in the order that they were released. Because if you're seeing these for the first time, there are so many, particularly in Empire and Jedi, so many great surprise moments, plot twists. And if you're watching the prequels, then you know it all. You've mm-hmm. been introduced to Yoda. There's no surprise that this little creature is the most powerful. That's a very Jedi good Knight. point. Yeah. Um, you know, the, I am your father that loses all its impact. If Mm -hmm. you've watched Anakin grow up from this whiny little kid Mm. to this whiny adult and turn into Vader. Right. And it's, I mean, I've, I've pretty much kind of jettisoned the, the prequel trilogy for my life. I've gone back. I enjoyed, I enjoyed the first one when it came out. The second one I was kind of indifferent about. I really liked the third Mm -hmm. and I actually went back and rewatched the third when it was on TV not too long ago. And I didn't think, feel it had aged well in the, like, not even 10 years at the time wow. that it had come out. And I just remember thinking, like, I don't really have any use for these. Meanwhile, like, the original prequel is timeless. And for me, yeah. It's, original it's, prequel, original, the original sequel. Se- yeah, yeah, the original trilogy. trilogy yes. Yeah. Um, 
And I'm a purist, and I I like the original trilogy as they were released. As I, do I. I've seen the 97 uh, special editions, and those are out of the three special editions that Lucas has done. Those are the only ones I've seen. Mm-hmm. And I, I just can't. I didn't like the changes made in 97, mm-hmm. and I've read about the changes from 2004 and 2011, and I can't get on board with – I wasn't on board with them in 97. I'm definitely not on board with them now. Yep. Um, so I'm just – holding out until the original trilogy finally gets the release and I feel respect it, it deserves. Yeah. So, and, um, empire just sticks out for me from this series and that's why I chose it. Yeah. See, I'm still, uh, a Jedi is my favorite okay. and, and, but I still do think of the, uh, the debate from Kevin Smith movies where <laughs> empire ends on a down note. That's what life is. A yeah. series of down endings. Yeah. All Jedi had was a bunch of Muppets, yeah. <laughs> but it, it, yes, Jedi is full of kid bait, but I think that nostalgia still sticks with me. Like as an adult, I can see the merits of empire over the other movies. But again, I am someone who wants to see my movie wrap up in a nice, happy little package most of the time, Yeah, which I- is why jedi stands out for me and i struggle with it i mean jedi has to me the best opening mm-hmm. uh, i mean that scene in on jabba's sail barge and on the skiffs oh, it's so my good. favorite sequence in a star wars movie sure. and i mean i probably wore out my parents couch reenacting that scene <laughs> when i was a kid um jumping from floor to couch and just <laughs> pretending to be luke skywalker right and the ending to jedi i love too yeah and it's i'm honestly the opening to empire yeah, there's some good moments on Hoth, but I mean, I think the best parts are some of Harrison Ford's lines yeah. in that sequence. Totally. But, um, but yeah, in, in the end, I think Empire has won out as as my favorite. Yeah. All right, let's hop into the trivia. This is from IMDb. The shots where Luke uses his Jedi powers to retrieve his lightsaber from a distance were achieved by having Hamill throw the lightsaber away and then running the film in reverse. Which makes total sense. People yep. might be like, in that day and age, how'd they pull that off? Pretty it's actually common. <laughs> pretty simple film trick. Yep. Uh, and it is, you can, I think it's again, one of those things that your brain can kind of pick up on, but it still feels magical. Yeah. So it still works just fine. Han Solo is the only non-Jedi slash Sith in the entire original trilogy to ever use a lightsaber, which he used to cut open the Tauntaun's belly. Yep. Which means maybe he has some Jedi in him, too. And I think in the Expanded Universe, maybe they cover that a little bit, but I'm not sure. I don't know 100%. Carrie Fisher stood on a box for many of her scenes with Harrison Ford in order to make up for the height difference and have her appear in the frame with him. Fisher is about a foot shorter than he is. That's a big difference. And I think that's a technique they use a lot in the movies. And even still now with digital effects and everything, they'll still just have a person stand on a box. Yeah. And I think there's probably a lot of actors that end up standing on boxes for their scenes. Tom Cruise. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Having Han Solo frozen in carbonite was in part due to the fact that they were not sure that Harrison Ford returned before a third film. When the original Star Wars was made, Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill were signed for a three-picture deal, but Ford refused. Ford even requested that Lucas kill off Solo, since the character had played its part already, but Lucas refused, saying that he still had a heroic part for Han Solo to play in Return of the Jedi. And mainly action figures. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Nobody wanted to buy a dead Han Solo. That's very figure. true. Although, I think they sell a Han and Carbonite and people still oh, they do. And they I, want that. Yeah. And, and, yeah. I mean, that's such an iconic <laughs> image from the movies that... Han and Carbonite is something I've been fascinated with since I was a kid. So. Yeah, and I make chocolate versions of it. So yeah, that my <laughs> cell phone holder on my desk at work is Han Solo and Carbonite. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, George Lucas was so impressed by Frank Oz's performance as Yoda that he spent thousands of dollars on an advertising campaign to try and get him an Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actor. Lucas's campaign ultimately failed because it was felt that a puppeteer wasn't an actor. Talk about a piece of trivia that really pisses me off. Yeah, right. How much of a fan could he have been? Because years later, he removes all of Oz's work and it's Digital Yoda. Oh, yeah. And to me, I mean, I I want to see the Muppet Yoda. Yeah. I mean, that's there's like you said, with the this lightsaber scene, there's a magic quality to that to bring that character to life the way Oz did in those movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's why he's one of the most popular characters. Mm-hmm. It's certainly not because of Phantom Menace. Right, like, right. It's, it's main. I mean, he really only has his death scene in Jedi. It's really his moments in Empire. Now, the special editions replaced Yoda with digital. I'm. I'm Almost certain. I'd have to look it up. Because the version I watched still felt like Muppet Yoda. 97, probably not. Mm -hmm. Maybe moments. I feel like there were moments in that version where they did. Okay. Um, I'm pretty sure I bought the latest one and it feels like Muppet Yoda. Okay. Maybe. I could be wrong because I've lost track of all the changes. Yeah. Um, I think they've even reversed some But at least in the prequel, Mm -hmm. I'm almost positive in the original prequels, Yoda was totally digital. Yes, he was. Even though Oz was there too. Do the voice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd have to, I'll have to look up Empire, but there maybe had been uh, some modifications. I completely agree that the puppet has an intangible quality, though, that, or a tangible quality that the intangible <laughs> digital does not. Uh, with the exception of being sucked out of a Cloud City window, Mark Hamill did all of his own stunts. Impressive. Yeah. And he's not necessarily known as like a stunt guy. No, so he's not. <laughs> good for him. In each Star Wars film, the line, I have a bad feeling about this, is spoken by one of the characters in this film, Leia says it. Yep. When they are in the uh, the cave, the asteroid cave. Director Irvin Kirshner decided that for this movie, members of the Rebel Alliance would speak with American accents, while the Imperial officers would speak with British accents to make the story analogous to the American Revolution. However, most of the supporting actors that appeared as Rebel personnel on Hoth were in fact British actors. Consequently, Kirshner had to redub several of the scenes taking place at the Hoth Rebel base with American voices in post-production. Until I read that trivia fact, that never occurred to me. Yep, never crossed my mind. How many times have we seen this movie? Well, then again, (laughs) I mean, how many officers do you really hear speak on Hoth? Right, right. Well, it's not even just the Hoth ones. It's, It's, uh, uh, It's all of them. Yeah. So like any Imperial officer you hear through this movie has a British accent. Right. And I think never occurred to I me. I feel the Imperial officers have more lines than any of the rebel officers. Do, I agree. But. I don't know how I missed that at any time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the sound of R2-D2 moving was produced by recording the sound of a car window motor in operation. Interesting. There's a lot of sound effect trivia. I didn't go over all of it because wow. we, we only have so much time. And these movies were so <laughs> groundbreaking. In, they were. In sound effects. They were. Sound effects editing. Uh, the Wilhelm scream, that famous Wilhelm ah! scream appears again, actually is heard twice in this film. Once during the battle on Hoth as a rebel soldier and his laser gun dish explodes. And right before Han's going to be frozen in the carbonite as Chewie in a fit of rage throws a stormtrooper off the ledge. However, that one is a lot quieter. You have to listen very carefully for it. And I think it's like the second or third stormtrooper that he throws off. Okay. You hear it very, very quick, very silently or silently, but quietly. Uh, And then lastly in the trivia, and this is one I'm sure you know of, the film's most famous line is often misquoted. While many believe that Darth Vader says, Luke, I am your father. He actually says, no, 
I am your father. One of the points I was going to bring up. Yeah. <laughs> in the annals of one of the most misquoted movie quotes of all time. Yeah. But it's so much more fun to say Luke because it puts it into context. Like we're not watching the movie, right. so it makes sense to throw that in there. And I believe there was actually a documentary that it also said uh, James Earl Jones actually misquoted his own line in the documentary saying, Luke, I am your father. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> and maybe that's where the misquoting came from yeah. after that. So let's jump into the movie. We start with the Hoth sequence, uh, which for me is my least favorite part of the movie because I have a general dislike for things that take place in like desolate locations, okay. whether it be a desert or like a barren Iceland or whatever. When the scenery is not interested, I am thereby less interested in the scene because I have less to visually grasp onto. Okay. And that's just the way my brain works. So for me, Hoth is a boring location. So this is a, a more boring part of the movie for me. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's probably my least favorite part of the movie as well. Mm -hmm. um, as I said earlier, it's really some of my favorite Han Solo quotes and one of my all time favorite movie quotes mm -hmm. come into play in this sequence. But it's, yeah, it really is just so desolate and cold. And Would that be the scruffy looking nerf herder? Or? No, but laugh it up, fuzzball. <laughs> ah, there you go. That's so right one. before that. Um, and a great delivery of it, too. Yep. Laugh it up, fuzzball. fuzzball. Yep. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, Hoth, it's I think it, it establishes how deep into hiding the rebels have had to go after the events of mm -hmm. the previous movie. But other than that and the snow speeder fighting the uh, I always call them AT-AT walkers because mm -hmm. at at just sounds weird to me. Right. Attacking the walkers with the cables. Um, that's great. That's, yeah, that, yeah. I really don't have much use for, yeah, for Hoth, yeah. So I have a lot of things in this movie too that remind me of Super Star Wars, the Super Nintendo game. Okay. And <laughs> and the Hoth sequence, you actually would have to wrap a cable around um, him and then yeah. spin around and knock him over and everything. Yep. Those were some great games. Yes, the they Super were. Star Wars games. Yep. Oh my God. I need those back in my life. <laughs> yeah. I actually just uh just pulled Super Nintendo out of my basement. Oh. My, none of my controllers are working, but I ordered one on eBay and that was the first game I put in yeah. Super Star Wars. Arguably so. the best system ever. Yep. Uh, 3PO is such a friggin' Debbie Downer. <laughs> really is. Leia doesn't need to know the odds of survival. Not only that, but the, he, he tries, it's almost like there is this more human element to 3PO where he's realizing what he's saying. Yeah. And then he tries to fix it. Cause at the end he's like, although R2 has been known to make mistakes, <laughs> but then he has to go and say from time to time to make it sound like right. maybe he is right. Right. Maybe he's right. Maybe he's not. Yeah. yeah. But Damn yeah, it. 3PO is... Yeah, he really, it's always, it's always the odds with him. <laughs> uh, Obi-Wan shows up to tell Luke to go train with Yoga on, uh, Yoga? Yoda? <laughs> Yoda on Dagobah. I'm jumping ahead to the name of the planet. Uh, Luke's just like, dude, I'm freezing here. <laughs> like, get me out. <laughs> yeah, save me. What are you doing? Just a blatant cry. Yeah. And again, I, I can't remember the first time I saw this movie, but that must have been a pretty great moment for fans of the first one seeing this for the first time to see ghost obi-wan because mm -hmm. we hear his voice at the end of a new hope but we don't see him again after right. that duel with vader so right. to have him appear in this blue ghost shape in the middle of the snow is something i'm sure people weren't expecting which at this point is not necessarily a confirmation of anything other than luke might be having delusions right yeah and that's, because that's he's clearly the, in that another state. great setup is yeah. you don't know is mm. he tapped into the force or is he just tapped? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just the normal tap. Yeah. 
in retrospect, and I know everyone looks back at this all the time now, Leia kissing Luke, super creepy. Yeah, kind of makes you wonder, did, I mean, it has to be established already unless they had another trick up their sleeve because the line, Yoda's line of no, there is another Mm -hmm. hints at what we find out in Jedi. But why? Why include that if you knew what you were going to do with those characters later? I mean, I I get it for story purposes and Mm -hmm. to, again, I'm sure people were just as surprised in Jedi when you find out that they're siblings as they were when you find out Vader's Luke's father. But right. still, that's, that's just as makes it a really awkward. <laughs> I do know in the original run through, Vader was not going to be intended as like as, yeah. Luke's dad and Luke's and Leia's dad. But and getting the creepiness of seeing it happen aside. It's not illogical in the sense that they say, like, if you were to meet, let's say you you were split up as kids and you never met your sibling, if you met them later in life, you would have a general affinity for them just biologically. And that has been known to happen where like cousins will meet and like sometimes end up getting married and then they find they out find they're out related. They, yeah. And it, it's not a normal, I mean, it's not an abnormal phenomena. So the fact that, and, and really it wasn't even about them. It was about Leia defying Han. Han, right. It really is. So it really to, was not an attraction right. at really all. It really is to make Han jealous. Yeah. And we find, I think that becomes obvious the more we learn about Han and Leia's relationship throughout the movie. Right, so. right. So where you could just say, oh, incest, it really had nothing to do with that whatsoever. Yeah, so why not just kiss Chewie? Yeah. <laughs> that would have been even more defiant. Well, and there is that line, I'd rather kiss a Wookiee. Exactly. <laughs> I can arrange that. Which probably would have been a better yeah, setup yeah. for it. Um, I still love that even though we can't understand R2, his tone usually pretty easy yeah. to let us you, know what's get going the grasp on. Of it. Yeah. Uh, that's all I have for Hoth, though, aside from obviously the cool action we get to see. Yeah. Well, let's move it off of Hoth. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, jumping to the asteroid field, we get the awesome quote from Han Never tell me the odds. Yep. So while Leia got bummed out by 3PO's earlier kind of uh, labeling of the number crunching, Han immediately just shuts Doesn't it down. Listen to it, yeah, yeah, which again shows the dichotomy in their personalities. Yep, absolutely. That's all I got for the asteroid field, though. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I didn't have too much for the asteroid field. I mean, it's it's kind of that great creature moment when mm-hmm. you find out later on that when they settle into the cave that it's not really a cave, mm. and that that whole thing is just kind of I think to remind us of how good Han is at what he does most of the time. Yeah, and it's it's the setup for them. Basically, to introduce the bounty hunters and for Boba Fett to be trailing them. Right. So, yeah, it does show how street smart Han is. I mean, street space smart. Right. right <laughs> Han yeah, is. yeah. But I also like too the uh, the usage of the practical effects with the Minox. Yes. Uh, you never actually see one. Right. It's, it's like you see one fall off the ship, but you don't really get a good look at it, yeah. and then it's just the wings kind of going by things. So we probably picture them as way grosser or more. Well, de- do you see? You see the one on the windshield, for lack of a better term. That weird mouth mouth thing, thing, yeah. And you don't see the full body. Yeah, you never see a full Minoc. Yeah. Which is smart. Yep. (laughs) It saves them a lot of work, for sure. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) And they are scarier to just see a wing brush by here and there. (laughs) Yeah, it's plenty. Yep. Uh, If we go to Dagobah, I still, every time, laugh at the bit where R2 falls in the swamp (laughs) and then the probe pops up. But the best is when he's almost like whistle beeping. Yeah. As he swims back, that gets me every time. It's so perfect. And then you've just got dirty R2 for pretty much the rest of the movie. He's just covered in swamp <laughs> yeah, grime. Yeah. I love that so much. Yeah. And Dagobah is 
is probably a big part of why this this is my favorite Star Wars mm. movie. I mean, I just love the character of Yoda. I love the introduction to Yoda. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the best stuff's I mean, all on Dagobah. The, the wisdom of the character is just so well done. Mm-hmm. And it's these moments that you see that he's you kind of start to doubt whether Luke can handle being a Jedi because mm-hmm. you, you're seeing what Yoda is, is doing and you're like, listen to him. What are you doing? I mean, he tells him not to bring his weapons into the right. Cave. And what would that cave experience have shown Luke if he hadn't brought the weapons in? Would it have been totally different? Right. And I mean, and that's another big, huge hint at, at who Vader is mm-hmm. when the mask explodes on cave Vader and it's Luke's face under yes. the mask. Yeah. So, and, um, I just, I mean, Yoda is just next to Han, probably my favorite Star Wars character. Yeah. May, may at times even pass Han as my favorite character. I do remember the first time I watched this, maybe not the exact first time, but I remember the moment of thinking that Yoda was like this weird swamp creature. And then being blown away yeah. when the reveal is that he's actually Yoda, the Jedi Master. Yeah, and to learn how powerful he actually is, mm-hmm. is I mean, it's it's that great line he has where he's at, size matters not. Right. Judge me by my size, would you? Yeah. And it's such, I mean, the character is so wise and powerful in such a small package that it, it's, it's one of the best creations out of the entire series yeah is is, um and i think a lot of care went into both on probably lucas's side developing the character but i think in frank oz's development of that character and performance obviously Mm -hmm. i think the movement of the x-wing out of the swamp is the biggest demonstration of force power we've seen up at this point point. yeah Yeah. which really makes you go oh wow like yoda is this super powerful jedi yeah and then he wraps it all up in it's not a big deal. There's right. no difference between that and the rock. Yeah, and he just it's, like it's only he's mad. not like expended, exhausted. He right. just takes a it's, breath. Yeah. And he's back. Yeah. Which is so cool. Yeah. I wonder when they were creating the way that Yoda speaks with like the the flipping Reversed. the reverse speech, if that was an intent to make people pay more attention to what he's saying. For whatever reason, like the things he says, yes, are filled with wisdom and would come off as wise had they been spoken in a normal manner right but because of the way that they're delivered do they seem more insightful because we're forced to pay more attention and decipher the meaning yeah it just i think it just drives it home yeah yeah i think that's really interesting yeah the the quick shot we get of vader in that clamshell type seat where his helmet's coming off and everything yeah I always wondered exactly what that was and what was going on. So I did look it up to kind of get an explanation. Uh, and apparently it is a meditation chamber, which charges interior air greater than one atmospheric pressure, allowing Vader to remove his helmet and breathe normally for limited periods of time, which I didn't really ever know before. Like, it didn't make a ton of sense to me that his helmet comes on and then he talks to a guy for like a second and then it closes and he's just staying in there. So he'd take his helmet right back off. <laughs> and, and that's another point that, I don't think we're meant to know what that is or right. give it any thought because we don't know who Vader is. Yet. Right, right. We don't know right. that that's Anakin Skywalker on basically a life support system in a suit. Mm. We don't know. We don't even know if that's, I mean, other than that scene where you see the back of his head, we don't know that that's human. Right. And Vader's from that, we can't even completely discern. Right. Because. It's just a bald head. Yeah. <laughs> We've seen so many creatures, it could still be anything. Yeah. Even though we just assume, I think. 
that he's human. Right. In the yep, in the Dark Force Cavern, like you said, the uh, foreshadowing of danger with Luke's face. One of my favorite quotes of the Star Wars. It is definitely my favorite quote from the series of Star Wars, but it is arguably one of my favorite quotes from any movie at all is when Luke says, I'll try. And Yoda says, do or do not. There is no try. Awesome impression. You should be <laughs> delivering you. the. I, it's. I just. Oh, that like that's like a life credo for me now. Yeah, and it's. I mean, that's why it's become possibly the next to use the force or no, I am your father. How right. are you going to say it? Right. One of the most famous lines from this movie. Because yeah. It, again, perfectly encapsulates. It's life. so simple. Like it's like so it's, deep and. It's a few words. Yep. And it is so impactful with just those. Like, that's another thing about Yoda, too, is he does not waste speech and, ever. Right. So, it's just boom, boom, boom. He, he could not be on a podcast. It would be five minutes. <laughs> it would be, done. <laughs> It'd be yeah. so quick. And I mean, that that also goes to the, the point of or his line when after the X-Wings lifted and mm-hmm. Luke says, I don't believe it. And he says, that is why you fail. Yes. And it's it's just everything that you need to know about Yoda. It's you so get good. These little one sentences. It makes sense that a creature in like his 800, 900 years that he's lived would become efficient with language and not waste time, not waste breaths. Right. It's very interesting. Yeah. And I, again, I wonder if all these were actual considerations or if like maybe we're just reading into it. But yeah. I'd love to know the entire history yeah. of the development of that character. You know, because no one's ever sat down and really dissected the Star Wars movies right, or anything this is, this is totally new. Yeah. We're covering new ground here. Breaking new ground. Uh, and I do love the uh, the quick exchange and the ominous exchange between Obi-Wan and Yoda, where he says that boy, that boy is our last hope. And he's like, no, there is another. Yeah. And leads, so good. Leads so well into what's to come. Yeah. And that's heavy foreshadowing. Like, that's not even this movie. I mean, that that throws everything into, I mean, really throws it into tailspin because that means something could potentially happen to Luke. Yeah. Like, that hints at, we may not need Luke. (laughs) Right, right. There's somebody else out there. Right. So even though by the end of this movie, we not necessarily resolve the events of this movie, and even though Luke is safe and didn't turn, that danger stays present. Yeah. Because we know that he's not the only one anymore, which means, and we know we're getting another movie at that point. So what could happen? Right. And that's, I can't remember these movies. I watched all together on VHS when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. I didn't see them in the theater. I didn't have to wait to get the story. But what was it like for those people in 1980 to see this and then have the movie end and not get that answer as to who, like, who is it? Han? Is it Leia? Is it? What were the guesses as to who this other was? Right. And to have to wait three years to find that out is, again, I don't think there's a movie. I can't think of a movie that's had so many cliffhangers like that. No. And this is all we get these days are big franchise movies. Right, right, right. Like everything's set up to be trilogy now. Yeah. Yeah. Attempts to be cliffhangers, but, you know, not really. Mm. I mean, maybe the last, the latest, not the latest Hunger Games, maybe part two was a bit, it was. Yeah, oh, tons of cliffhangers, um, yeah. But I can't even, not to this point with Empire. I mean, no, no, just so not much to these left. stakes. Right, and again, with Hunger Games, we knew we were getting two more after that. Right. Whereas we didn't have the movie news as prevalent in 1980. Right, right. You couldn't just jump on the computer and find out everything about the next movie coming out in three years. And there were real-life cliffhangers, too, because I think even at this point, they weren't sure if Solo was coming back or not. Right, right. Solo, if Ford was coming back or not. (laughs) And I should say, too, uh, because last time you were here, we talked about Indiana Jones. Like, even though these movies came out within a general 
similar time period, when I watch indie or I watch Star Wars, I do not see Indy or Han and the other character. Even though people always like to say that Ford plays the same kind of archetype over and over again, with subtle changes, he creates an entirely different character. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's there's maybe some overlaps you could find. Sure. But it's, it's Han Solo and Indiana Jones are... I mean, I remember that dawning on me as a kid that it's the same person. Right, and you're, like, you're like, wait. But it's, it's not. It's And that's where you kind of start to realize what acting is all right, about. Right, exactly. And it's, it, yeah, it was like, so wait, Han Solo and Indiana Jones are the same guy? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure if someone had to, like, hold my hand through that logic <laughs> when I was a kid. Um, jumping to Cloud City and Bespin, uh, we get Billy D. Williams as Lando, who originally auditioned for Han Solo, Han Solo. making that exchange a little more interesting. Yeah. Almost like uh, a little underlying jealousy that was very much prominent and uh, suitable for that character. Actually makes sense. Uh, there's, <laughs> I couldn't help noticing, uh, especially in this watch, too, lots of wearing of other characters as backpacks in this movie. Yeah. What's, <laughs> what's going on? Yoda, 3PO. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't know if that's a trend that is going on, but uh, I don't think they were necessarily thinking of merchandising as much. Because we didn't really get Star Wars backpacks until not of that type until like the last few years. Yeah, I, by Empire though, I think the. I mean, I wonder if there was. I'd have to look that up because the merchandising was was already huge for Star Wars. Yeah, when Empire rolled around, so I wonder if there were. But <laughs> I don't know if those decisions were made for that reason. Let's have people wear other yeah, characters. Let's, yeah. <laughs> so it's two figures in one. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, when Han Solo is put in the carbonite, and they just. They just tip it over and it just boom. That is such a great impact. The fact that there's no bounce, no reverberation. It's just yeah. boom, done, done. Yeah. And th- th- I mean, there's so much going on in, in those scenes, like when they're torturing Han. Mm-hmm. Like, what why? are they even doing? I yeah, mean, they're not. They don't seem to. They, I think he even says they didn't ask me anything. Yeah. Like, what is going on? Where you've got Boba Fett there, who is trying to get Han out and get him to Jabba, and yeah. Vader is just like playing these games with with it and then yeah that that carbonite scene and then again another famous star wars quote which was apparently ad-libbed by harrison ford where mm-hmm. leia says i love you and he just goes i know how badass <laughs> is that and yeah drop him into the carbonite done yeah so and it is such a perfect if that was the end to their story yeah then that would have been such a perfect ending to it yeah and the this is one part of empire that I think a lot of fans of the series struggle with because there's no, there seems to be a screwy timeline here. Mm -hmm. Like when you look at, you're assuming what's happening to Han and everyone is happening parallel to Luke's story on Dagobah. Mm -hmm. But Luke seems to be on Dagobah much longer Mm -hmm. than the asteroid chase to Bespin and everything on Cloud City. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, Luke even has a line where Yoda says to him, remember your failure at the cave. And he says, but I've learned so much since then. Right. Like, how long have you been there? A week? Right. Because like, it doesn't seem to be that much time for Han and everyone else compared to Luke, who seems to be he's there for a pretty extended period of Which time. Which is very possible. So, yeah. But that's where the, the movie timeline just kind of gets really screwy. My only way that I think I could possibly justify it, and I'm totally spitballing here, 
is uh, since it's outer space, we really have no idea how long it takes to get from one thing to another. Maybe that trip from the asteroids to like Cloud City is weeks. Yeah. Like, who knows? Yeah. yeah. The other side of the galaxy. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I got for Cloud City. Uh, the only thing I, I think that's worth noting is uh, Leia's immediate distrust of Lando right from the start. Mm. And Han agrees and even says, I don't trust him either. And, but then he does say he is my friend. And yeah. it's like he's trying to defend that. But there's there's not a whole lot of trust for Lando, no. which I think makes his character turn around towards the end all that much better. Mm-hmm. Because then as an audience, you're like, oh. This is somebody you can trust because at right. that point you've written him off as his hand villain. was just forced. Yeah. Yeah. There was another improv in there, too, that I actually read in the trivia where uh, Lando comes in and invites them all to dinner when they before they go see Vader. Lando extends his arm to Leia so she would take his hand and Ford improvised putting his arm out in jealousy. Oh, really? And Leia grabbing his arm I'm not instead. Sure I about that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I, I just love Lando's line um, once he realizes that Vader's backing out of his end of the deal. And he just says, this deal gets worse all the time. Yeah. I use that line all the time. <laughs> I always just uh, – I go whenever something like that happens – not like that. But whenever <laughs> <laughs> whenever I can use that line, I yeah. always make the Empire reference. Nice. Uh, and then we go to the Carbonite Chamber for like the big climax of the movie, the the lightsaber duel. The the lighting during all of this is Amazing. so unbelievable between all the accents in the chamber and then yeah, the lightsabers the floor, themselves. Yeah. It's unreal. Yeah. Unreal. The, and the there are so many. Smoke yes. So, so well done. And it's it's really only like two tone lighting. Yeah. But when you think about it, like even the elements in the environment all suit either Vader's lightsaber, red, or Luke's blue lightsaber. Yeah. And everything supports that. And it's so, so well done. Yeah. And actually, I I have to jump back a couple scenes to the scene you were just talking about with Lando when mm-hmm. he invites them to, to dinner. Yeah, yeah. And the door's open and it's Vader. And this is this is one of the key points to me throughout all the special edition controversy. Mm-hmm. What is Han's immediate reaction? Pulls out his gun. And shoots. Yes. Han shoots first. Yeah. Like it yeah. goes back to the debate. On I never thought about that, but you're totally right. Where in that, that is the character. That is the character that was established in yep. the original version of episode four. It's the character we see in Empire. So to go back and have messed with that in the special edition of A New Hope, it, it just doesn't ring as true anymore. Mm. It's, it's, I mean, it rings true for us that have seen it, but it. It does to me. It's character damage on Solo to the changes. They Completely made, agree. So. I never thought about it in those and terms. We're, we're going to jump to another point like that in a couple minutes yeah. when we get to it. So, uh, so the 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 actual lightsaber duel feels a little slower than the action in modern movies. Yeah, but the storytelling element is maybe even more prominent. Like the the lightsaber battles in the prequels, like we were talking about before, are elegant. They're beautiful. They're wonderfully choreographed. Yeah, like sequences and. Out of anything that stands up out of the prequels, the action sequences, I would say, yeah, the lightsaber are the highlight in all three of them. I yeah, mean, the choreography is insane in those. Yeah. And whereas, I mean, and that that's a great dichotomy between the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy is the duels in the first three or the original trilogy mm-hmm. are there for more reason than just action. Yes. I mean, there's there's important story elements that are being revealed throughout. Any of those, A New Hope, Empire, mm-hmm. Jedi, either one of those. So as interesting as the duels are, they're not quite as, as you said, extravagant or right, detailed. Right, right. 
but I think there's more in many ways. There's more going on in those than in the prequel. Trilogy. Yeah, you can't pull the action scenes out of context in these movies because right. the context is why they're so good. Yeah. Uh, and unlike the prequels, you can pull those on and just be like, oh, cool sword fight. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, Luke's hand being cut off, replaced by the technology is a huge symbolization of the potential like turn to the dark side yeah. because now he's, he's becoming like his, his dad. Yeah. yeah. And then in Jedi, he cuts off Vader's hand. Yeah. And it's it's that how close are we going to come to is the son becoming the father. Right. In this story. And that scene where talk about a mind blowing scene when you're a kid seeing the hero's hand get cut. Right. Off and, right. You know, it goes back to how, what is going to happen to this character? Oh, you know, where is this story going to go? Mm-hmm. And another point with, with my biggest issue, one of my biggest issues with the special editions is in the 97 version mm-hmm. when Luke jumps off of the, whatever they're on at the end of the duel Mm -hmm. lucas added a screen oh and he's since removed that in the other two versions so and that that is one of the clearest memories i have of seeing the special edition and Hmm. walking out and being like what is he doing right because that is such i mean that is where you finally after seeing luke fail over and over again on dagobah and you're doubting whether he can be a jedi at this Mm -hmm. point and now getting hit with this news and i mean that is the that's a turning point for badass jedi luke to right. start coming out he right. just looks at vader and he says i'm choosing this like, yeah. in his mind and just jumps and to add the screen just totally takes away that character moment huh and then to remove it it's lucas doesn't know what he's doing with these movies at this right point. right he's just playing around with them and yeah. that's what drives me nuts about and i have no issues if lucas wants to create 15 different versions right. of these movies. Just make the original just make available. The original available. I agree. I'd probably buy all of the other ones that come out just to see what he changes. At the sure, point. sure. But without those originals, I mean, you're just altering film history. You're mm-hmm. destroying film history. Mm-hmm. And for someone who, I mean, Lucas, that, that's been something he's fought for earlier in his career, preserving right. film. And, and it just drives me nuts that he just won't have released those movies and yeah. just set to die because he doesn't like the way they were. Yeah. But hopefully we'll, we'll see that change with new movies. Coming one would out. hope one would hope. The only other note I have is that, uh, when I watched this as a kid and Luke is hanging from the bottom of cloud city on that antenna, uh, maybe it was just because I was a kid, like it didn't feel as dangerous now that it did. Then it felt like just like a bottomless pit, like an empty abyss. Yeah. And now, now I know, like, I have more idea of, like, oh, it's a city in the clouds and there's something down there, but. It's still a hell of a drop, though. Yeah, but when I was a kid, going. I was like, there's nothing below him. For whatever reason, my brain was just, just like, endless, empty. Just into space. He'll just fall forever. Yeah, and that's, I, I had the same feeling. Like, yeah. That was, it's the bottomless pit, whatever that, whatever the city in the clouds is. There's yeah. nothing. And it was there. so terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that entire sequence is. Talk about a bad day. (laughs) Just finding out that news and then getting your hand chopped off. I think that's a great moment, though, when Luke taps into the Force and summons Leia. Mm -hmm. And it's also great foreshadowing that there's there's more of a connection between these these two characters. Totally. Because he he first, I'm I'm pretty sure, I just rewatched it, but I'm pretty sure he he calls for Ben first. Yes. And there's no response because Ben and Yoda had told him if you you're on your own you're on your own yep so that's for me it it sets up the next one so so absolutely completely agree um, and i've always wondered 
the scene where in Jedi where Luke goes back and Yoda's death scene, I've always wondered, was there more training? That is this the first time he's seen Yoda since he was hmm. on Dagobah? Or did he need to because that means he basically completed his training on his own. Right. Full, full which is Jedi, crazy which dangerous. Is crazy. Yeah. yeah. So I, that's just something as a kid. I even was like, wait, are we missing something? Is there yeah, something yeah. between these two? But that's more Jedi than Empire. Sure, so sure. Let somebody else handle that <laughs> conversation. <laughs> just set it up and let someone else do the dirty work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, any other notes? Um, I think just reiterating the how great and wise Yoda is. And um, one line that I forgot about before was when Luke, Luke asks him, after Luke has the vision mm-hmm. of Han and Leia in danger and asks him what will happen. Yeah. Yoda says, difficult to see, always in motion. Is the right, future. right. And it, it shows that as powerful as Yoda is or as powerful as the Jedi are, they can't see, they still can't see the future. That the things can still change. And, and I like that. Paths can be altered. And, yeah. Yeah. And I, I hate I like the idea of predestination so in movies so, and someone yeah, can yeah. see the. Yeah. I just hate the idea of predestination or the whole right. everything happens for a reason. It's that that doesn't fly with me. No, so me neither. It's, it's uh, to have Yoda say that is like, Yes. All right. All right. (laughs) We're on the same page. (laughs) So, yeah, no, I think other than that, we've we've really covered everything I had. Cool. Stick with the originals. Give us the originals. (laughs) If anyone from Fox is listening or Disney, force Fox's hand. Uh, So to wrap things up, what would you like to plug? Uh, Still not up and running with new episodes of The Real Conversation yet. Although might be by this time. I I guess might be. Yeah, (laughs) We don't know. Um, But hopefully soon to come, new episodes of The Real Conversation podcast uh, available on iTunes and therealconversation.podomatic.com. And uh, if there are no necessarily new episodes that you've heard, feel free to enjoy the current catalog. Yeah. Or uh, head to episode six specifically because that was... That's where Rob is. That was me. (laughs) All right. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. Random Movie Club is a production of The Geek Generation. You can get every episode along with everything else we do over at thegeekgeneration.com. While you're there, be sure to check out our flagship podcast, The Geek Generation, available both on the site and on iTunes. As always, thanks to Michael McLeod of Wolfstein Music for our theme song. A link to their site can also be found on our site. Thanks for listening, and make sure you join us next time when we'll discuss Star Wars Return of the Jedi. See you then.